Welcome to a live edition of the Gangs All Here podcast. We are coming live from House of Q at the American Dream Mall. This episode of Gangs All Here is presented by your Tri-State Cadillac dealers. Give it up for Cadillac. Cadillac. Visit your Cadillac showroom today. Go buy a Cadillac. Jake Brown is here, and I have a special guest alongside with me. We'll get into the Jets game. Yes, it was ugly, but Zach Wilson, help is, in the Mrs. Doubtfire voice, yes. help is on the way. <laughs> My special guest alongside me here at House of Q is arguably the greatest fullback in the history of the NFL. According to uh, Wikipedia. According, uh, according Wikipedia. to Wikipedia, <laughs> according to the internet, wherever you want to get it, Reddit maybe, another website. He ended his career with the Jets. He is, how many Pro Bowls did he make? Three-time Three. yeah. Pro Bowler. He He's in the Chiefs Hall of Fame, the NFL 2000's all-decade team. He blocked for 1,000-yard rushers in nine straight seasons, including the likes of Adrian Peterson, Priest Holm, Larry Johnson, and one of our favorites, Thomas Jones. Let's welcome to the stage Tony Richardson. Hey. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here today. It's a, it's a sad day because my Jets didn't win, but I'm so happy to be here. We got Claudio right here. He's, we got a Gotham City in the building. Gotham the building. City crew Gotham in the building. Shout the out building. to Let's Gotham go. City. Yep. We're glad to have you, Tony. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You know, the Jets have been difficult to watch. Today was a rough one. They lose 27-12 to the Bengals. They fall to 1-2. and two. Some would say they gave us a great two minutes. That's like an aspect of many layers of life. Sometimes the best two minutes of your life uh, come in certain places, hey, whether hey, it's at the football game, in the bedroom, wherever it may be. I, say, I got a good two minutes. I got a good two minute game. It could it's be strong. <laughs> good two minutes. And that's what we got last week in Cleveland. We yep, got the yep, greatest yep. two minute miracle yep. in Cleveland today, Tony. Just the offense sucked. Let's be real. It was the kicker game. And anytime it's a Greg Zerline game, you're in trouble. Joe Flacco was bad. No. This was an ugly one today. Well, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, and I think a lot of people discount the fact that this was a team that actually represented the AFC in the Super Bowl last year. So they're a good football team. And the two games they lost previously were they lost in the, on the last play of the game. Obviously, they've had some offensive line woes, um, but also understanding, like, they're a pretty good football team. But one thing about it, when you play a team that has those type of skill players, you can't turn the football over. you got to protect your quarterback. And you got to play good defense, and we did none of those today, and that's the reason why we ended up on the short end of the stick. Joe Flacco is tough to watch. He had, again, the great two minutes. Today, 28 for 52, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, two fumbles. You can't win when your quarterback turns it over four times, T-Rich. You, you just can't win. But you know what's so funny that you say that because Joe Flacco's was not brought here to be the starting quarterback. He was brought here to be a backup quarterback for a quarterback that got drafted and was second pick overall. So all of a sudden, it's like everyone wants him to be like, no, he's had his time. He's a Super Bowl MVP. He took the, the Ravens to the Super Bowl. He won the Super Bowl. Joe Flacco is the guy who was supposed to be a mentor to Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, unfortunately, got hurt. Uh, maybe should have ran out of bounds. We don't need to bring that up. But there's not he's not he's not our starting quarterback. He's a backup quarterback that is supposed to be to mentor a young quarterback. So if you try to judge him like 
I mean, he's. I'm 40. I think he's what. I mean, I'm 50. I think he's what 42. You're 40. 50. Yeah, I'm 50. Yeah, I'm 50. Black don't yeah. crack, Black man. Does not That's crack. unbelievable. Black does. Yeah, I, was, I forgot how old I am. So I'm 50. And how's Joe Flacco? He's like 40. Joe Flacco's 37. 37. He moves like he's 50. Yeah. So, uh, he's but no, immobile. He's hard to watch when he gets outside the pocket and like he had the fumbles today. And the offensive line, and you know this as a guy who blocked as a yeah. fullback, when your offensive line gives you zero time, you're yeah. in trouble, especially when you're immobile. At least when Zach Wilson comes back, he could go outside the pocket, run with the football. When Joe Flacco runs with the football, the world slows down and life slows down. Well, let me think about this. So, obviously, uh, the game we were anticipating this afternoon or whenever the, the fans actually watch this show, uh, Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady has made his uh, money on being immobile, but you know, understanding like if your offensive line can protect you, you have good skill people around you, and you can get the ball out of your hand, you could be successful. So I'm not expecting Joe Flacco's not Michael Vick, he's not Zach Wilson, he's not Lamar Jackson. He is a quarterback that can stand in the pocket. If everything's clean, he can make the plays. If you're asking him to move left or right or bring the pocket on him, it's not going to happen. And that's so my thing right now. They're asking Flacco to do things that. I mean, it's almost like asking me to go do neuroscience. I'm not a neuroscientist. I was a football player who had a degree in finance. That's not my world. But the thing about it is everyone's down on Flacco. He was brought here to develop a young quarterback and be a mentor to him, and you ask him to do too much right now. He wasn't brought here to defeat the defending AFC champion Bengals, <laughs> exactly. I'll tell you that. But he gave us hope that he could keep the Jets alive this yeah. week with what we saw last week. But let's be and honest. that's all you do. But As a backup quarterback – you, your job is one game. You're not because most of the time a backup quarterback is uh it's uh it's like uh, it's like putting like glue on something you know like uh put some kind of tape on something you know it's gonna last for a certain point of time and that's the biggest thing. He's only there supposed to be a stopgate for like. But maybe, T. Rich, here's the problem. Yeah. Robert Sala talks to him like he's Joe Cool, like of we course. love him, and I know that's how your coach is supposed to speak. But the hype he's been getting, my you know usual co-host Brian Casella wrote, yeah. if Joe Flacco stays hot, you start him in Pittsburgh. Okay. Now, if you were to say that, yep. you would be smoking yep. some sort of drug beyond weed. If you were to say okay. start Joe Flacco, well, let me say this: Save us, Zach where, where do we live right now? So right now we're in New Jersey. We live in New York. So that's those are hot takes. So right now Salah has to, you have to build your quarterback up because we're in New York City. If we were in say Cleveland or somewhere else they would give you time if you're in Kansas City and I tell people all this all the time when I when we won the AFC championship when we went to the AFC championship game there was more media in our locker room than I ever seen I think in my entire life mm -hmm. because it's just the magnitude of and so Salah he can't go and and not praise him because if you say oh you know he's gonna be a New York media is not gonna allow that so you have to he has to build up bravado, and that's why I think what got Rex in trouble, and that's just kind of where we are right now. So you, that's, we're in New York. And for a week, he kept the keeping receipts line working. Yeah. It worked last week. <laughs> they did. came back. Yeah. They had that miracle. The receipts were keeping them again. <laughs> we, you know, we threw them out for a week. Please, we're we're back. We're taking every that. receipt. Let's don't do that. We're keeping them because this team played like crap today. And stupid penalties like Corey Davis when the team is in the red zone, down 27-12. All right, you're in the red zone. Finally, let's score this touchdown. He has an unnecessary roughness in the end, end zone that makes it third and yeah. super long and sets up a fourth and six, and they don't get it. You can't have that. That's undisciplined football. Yeah. That's Buzz Killington. The team was about to score and make it a one-possession game. And listen, when you're a guy like Corey Davis, T. Rich, who's already been talked about on the trading block, oh, sure. you can't make a mental mistake like that. You just can't. Yeah, you know the thing about it? That's a team that's not used to winning. Because the thing about it, I was just telling uh, Wayne, I know uh, Corbett's about to come on. It's like, if you're a Patriot and you make those type of uh, mistakes, you're going to get called out. And that's the worst thing, like, 
Like I can, I don't care what the fans say. I don't care what the media says. But if you turn on that film and the film doesn't lie, and you get called out in front of all your peers, and Belichick calls you to the carpet, and you realize the reason we lost the game is because of you. Right now, they don't. There's not a culture of winning. If you're winning, you're not making those stupid mistakes. Because you know what the thing about it, the head coach wouldn't do that. If you're in the Patriots locker room, you got Mike Vrabel, you got Teddy Bruschi, you got uh, you got all these guys. You got Tom Brady. They're calling you out, and that's the reason why. And when you build a, a, a culture of winning, you don't make those stupid mistakes because they call. I mean. We all put on the pads. You don't have to be a superhero. Make the play and don't do that. And, you know, another mistake. And listen, this is a ticky-tack call. But in the first quarter, John Franklin Myers on third and nine gets called for a penalty, hitting Burrow late. Barely pushed him. It was very much like a baby call. You know, I didn't love that call. But, again, JFM did the same thing last year on a big crucial play. Joe Burrow is going to capitalize. That that would have been a turn. It would have been fourth down. They punted. The Jets get it back. It leads to a 56-yard touchdown and the quarter on the final play of the quarter. Another play by a guy who got a big money extension last year, John Franklin Myers. And while it was a ticky-tack call, don't push him. Let him get out of bounds. He wasn't going to complete that pass. And those two penalties, that's the difference between another touchdown and maybe the Jets winning this football game. Well, you know what that is? It's like that's when you call it pressing. Because all of a sudden when you're losing, you're not winning, you haven't built a culture of winning, you try to do extra. So my thing is, and one thing you always say, do your job. Don't try to be, if you're the weak side linebacker, try to get over and cover, you know, all those kind of things. And so sometimes now you try to do extra because you feel like I need to do this to help the team win. Until you build a culture of winning, that those stupid penalties happen. You're on the field, say, for the Corey Davis play. Yeah. You were fullback. You're in the offense. Yep. You see him do that in the end zone, commit that penalty to hurt your team. Yep. Take me what's going through your mind in that situation as a guy that's playing alongside well, him. Well, that's, that's the biggest thing. So, like, uh, the years I were here, I, didn't, I wouldn't have had to say anything because we had guys like Thomas Jones. We had guys like DeBrickashaw Ferguson. We had guys like Damian Woody. We had Alan Fanica. There was so much leadership in the locker room that we would look at each other like, like we just didn't make those stupid penalties. Do you penalty. pull him to the side? Do you say something to him? Who do you lead that to to talk to Corey Davis? Well, at? Bart Scott would have probably did it because Bart, okay. Bart's still talking right now. He's never shut up. He still keeep talking, and that's why he's making a He's been loop. keeping receipts <laughs> for years. And that's why he's still making <laughs> a lot of money on all the, all the uh, radio broadcasts. But no, when you um, – you just it's, it's one of those things. It's like when you have a culture of veterans and understanding if you do something, because at the end of the day, like your coaches can say whatever, but if you let your teammates down, that's the thing that hurts because that's the thing that you don't want to have. And I probably wouldn't have had to say anything because I was never a guy that would get in someone's face. But they also knew, like, if T. Rich says something, like, because they know I used to break people's face masks and I broke a few people's necks. So they knew, like, they knew that don't push those buttons. I would just look at you like, dude, what are you doing? That's all I would have to say. And they knew, like, you know, you can't do stuff like that. The other blow-up that we saw in this game, and, you know, if you were at the game, you might have not saw but if you were looking on TV, Quinn and Williams yelling at, uh, I believe, the defensive line coach in this game of the Jets, yeah. Aaron White Cotton. Yeah. What a what a name that is. <laughs> Aaron White Cotton. Quinn and Williams had to get held back, and I'm sure you've seen that on the sidelines. Yep. As And I'm sure you have, – have you blown up on your offensive coordinator or offensive Not, coach? Well, you know, it's funny, and I, I'll share this, and I know that uh, Eric Bieniemy will testif- testify to this. Like, you know, EB was uh, – he was my running back coach when I was in Minnesota, and now he's the offensive coordinator with the Chiefs and should be a head coach here pretty soon. And I had just came to the Vikings – and EB, you know, he's been known to kind of be a high head and whatever, whatever. So he he got a call from downstairs and said, I missed the block. And I'm like, and he came at me crazy. And I went at him. And I was like, and then once he looked at the tape, he I mean, once he looked at the picture, he was like, I apologize. Mm-hmm. But all the other running backs, like Tra- uh, Chester Taylor, uh, Mewode Moore, they were like, oh, shoot, because they never seen me like that. They always said, like, 
we hate guys like you because like I'm the guy that's gonna pray with you, but I'm also a guy that will fight you and body slam you. Because if I get that if I get that dark cloud over me, it's not good. And so me and Eb had a battle, but after that game, he said, "I apologize. I respect you." Because if you don't, if you don't, if here's you don't, the blow up. Yeah, yeah I see. I mean, I've, I've been a part of it. I've only had to blow up on one coach, and that was Eric Bieniemy, and we've never ever had a disagreement ever again. Because that's, I mean. Because we're all men. You're trying to compete. You all get paid a high salary, and you want to win. But that kind of stuff there, you need to take care of that in the locker room. And listen, Quentin Williams needs to be better. You well, can't be cursing I mean, at your coach's well, face. Well, think like. about that. Quinn, he's a, he's a guy to Alabama, used to winning at a high level. He's a high first-round pick. Don't do that because now you put that coach in a bad situation because mm-hmm. the coach starts yelling back. Who you think they're going, they're going, are they going to fire the, the player or the coach? They're going to fire the coach. That's, mm-hmm. they don't, don't do that kind of stuff. Handle it, handle it behind, behind closed doors. Yeah, that was unfortunate yeah. to see. But we were at House of Q at American yeah. Dream. Jake Brown, Tony Richardson, Gangs All Here podcast, New York Post, presented by Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. The Jets fall to one and two as they lose to the Bengals today. And they showed us that they missed Dwayne Brown. Man, at left tackle, you know, that is one of the most underrated and important positions on a football field. And that offensive line sucks. They need Dwayne Brown. We know they need the quarterback, you, you but they say, need your left tackle. You can't say that's the underrated position. That's the, that's the highest paid position. On the I know, line. but we don't talk. We're not like, well, oh, listen, I, we I got play, the best left tackle. No, in the I play, league. I we play don't really rough. I mean, all my left tackles were the Brickerson Ferguson. Those are those are those. Guys. That's, but a that's fan a guy. isn't thinking we got an elite left tackle. But <laughs> well, that is an important. But you, you I know, know financially, it is. You but know it who likes the left tackles? All the little hot blondes. They like the left tackles making fifty million dollars a year. And I'm like, how how's this dude six hundred pounds in his? And they eating good. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> so all the girls like the left tackles because they know that's what the salary. That's gonna like. be a shirt. The babes dig the uh, long ball. The babes dig oh, the left tackle. Go. So that's I didn't apparently know the show was X-rated. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's PG thirteen. Yeah, we won't go yeah, too yeah, far. Yeah, yeah. Here's a good thing. To cu- a couple good things. Because I don't want to make this all negative. One Garrett Wilson got hurt and came right back in yep. in the next quarter. This guy's gonna be a star. And okay. you saw the offense how stagnant they were when he was out of the game. Yep. He gets off the field, goes to the locker room, comes back in, and this is the second straight week. I thought he was done for the season yeah. and came back the <laughs> yeah. next quarter. Yeah. That's a good sign to see from a rookie that he wants to be out there. He's hurt. He could have said, you know, I can't go back in this yeah, game. Yeah. He wants to help his team win back-to-back weeks. And when this guy's out there, he's explosive. And Zach Wilson, Garrett <laughs> Wilson, next Sunday, we'll get into it in a bit. We finally get to see the volleyball special. Wilson to Wilson. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm that's, excited. I'm so excited. I can't wait. And it's funny. I played with Dale Carter, and Dale Carter would get hurt. He would lay down like he was dead, and then jump up and start running full speed. So hopefully that you know that's that's great though. That's he's like a, special. Yeah, 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 he's definitely he's special. special. He's special. That, he's special. That move, like he can get it his first step. Serious. Oh yeah, you can't you, you can't you can't coach that. I'm excited for him. Yeah. The Wilson to Wilson connection. So that's one positive. The other. Sauce Gardner is proving he is already a number one quarterback in this league. I mean, the way he contained Jamar Chase, Chase, off the bat, T. Higgins was just going off. And he was in his face. Like, he was barking at him all night long. But Jamar Chase, six catches, 29 yards. I know he had the one five-yard touchdown. But six for 29 for the number one receiver. You will sign up any day of the week. Sauce Gardner is going to be special in this league. The Jets look like they got, you know, Joe Douglas, Something about us bald guys. We just, we're smart, we're beautiful, we're big. He got it right with Wilson and with Sauce Gardner in this draft yeah. in the first round. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually at the draft, and uh, and it was crazy. I mean, we knew Sauce was going to get drafted, but I got a chance to meet him uh, as right when he was about to get on a private plane to fly back to New York. And but the thing about it, when I stood next to him, like, okay, I'm 6'1". He's legit 6'2", maybe 6'3", long arms. 
but he has the swag. And that's the thing about it. As a defensive back, you have to have the swag because, I mean, you're going to get – you're probably going to get beat more than you actually, you know, shut people down. He hasn't been beat yet. But, uh, yeah, I like the swag about him, and we did, we, we did right by them. Well, speaking of swag, we have a oh. special guest coming hey, over Wayne here. Wayne has nothing but swag. We'll give him a minute. Yeah, he He's signing a few swag. autographs. <laughs> but, you know, we talk about quarterbacks before we bring in our special guest. You know, the Savior's here. Yeah. And I didn't mind Joe Flacco. I thought he could win them a couple games. Yeah. He won them one. But now you go to Pittsburgh and you face Mike Tomlin and a guy who's getting headaches watching Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Zach Wilson will be back, and this is a winnable game. And I think it's big that Zach Wilson will be 100% and so be I, good. Hopefully he is. Hopefully no, I gotta, I gotta, so They can win this football no, game. No, I understand that, but everyone keeps saying like a winnable game. Like, do you understand? It's Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Steelers has built a mantra. Like, Mike Tomlin has never, ever had a losing season. I mean, granted, they're, they're missing their, their star pass, pass rusher. It is so difficult to be able to win in Pittsburgh. It's definitely a winnable game because it's 50-50 and everyone gets paid. But in the same sense, it's like, this is going to be a very, very tough football game. And I hope that the Jets aren't looking at the record and saying we could just walk in there because Pittsburgh's a, diff it's a different animal. Yeah, yeah it's they, not going to be a walk in the park, no. but, like, this is a winnable football game. It was a winnable game. game. It was, but... They were 0-2. Yeah, but Cincinnati was desperate for a win. And but they're a winnable game. That's, they're 0-2. And, like, everyone was like, oh, the offensive line woes and everything else. And guess what? Guess what? We got we got smacked in the mouth today. Well, one guy who's taking smacks in the mouth but gets them for first downs yeah. is Wayne Corbett. Let's welcome Wayne Corbett to the Woo! stage. Hey, one, one, one thing I have to say, and I and I and I tell Wayne this every time I see him and wherever we we always do events together. I'm like, if you open a dictionary, you say what the epitome of a jet or the epitome of a, the toughest person you know in your life, you open the dictionary, you're going to see a picture of Wayne Corbett. I tell him this all the time. <laughs> this is the toughest guy I know. He's, I, I love him to death, and like, I'm so happy. Every time I get a chance to spend time with Wayne, it's, it makes my day. And we have Wayne's dad out there, too, and it's like that's, that's, that's where it all started right there. Ten years, 95 through 2005, Mr. Third Down. As a Hofstra alum class of 2013, you know I love you, Wayne. Welcome. And remember the Ring of Honor, which we'll talk about Nick Mangold in a few minutes being the Ring of Honor. Welcome to Gangs All Here. Wayne, how you doing? Oh, great. Appreciate you having me, man. Hey, class of 2013. Yeah, well, yeah. what are you? Class of 94 or 5? 95. That's terrible. We, we got Listen, shoes older than you. That, yeah, some people might think we're the same age. I'm not aging that gracefully. As a bald guy, we don't age as well. Um, T-Rich, you're 50. You're aging well. Why do you got to tell? Why do you got to tell everybody my age? You're the one who said you're 50, I 50. and I said black no, don't crack. I'll be 51 in December, so yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm half a, yeah over a century. That's impressive. Yeah. Well, Wayne, welcome. Ring of Honor. How special is that? We'll talk about Nick Mango, but when you get in the Ring of Honor, like, tell us about your prep for your speech and the moment and everything that's going through your mind. Yeah, kind of surreal. Uh, you know, I didn't know how I was gonna feel. Try not to get emotional, but. You know, you, you can't hold it in because you're so happy and so proud of everybody that helped you get there, teammates, your fans, and obviously your family. As soon as you mention your family, it kind of, like, gets to your get voice cracks up. a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, to be up there in the box with Emerson Boozer today and Wesley Walker and Gastineau, to know I'm up there with them, I mean, it's surreal. I still don't believe that it, it worked out that way, but it's, it's, I'm humbled by it. T. Rich, you played with Nick Mangold. We just had him on the podcast the other day. Fantastic interview. Been very good in retirement speaking. Yeah, yeah. Everyone loves the beard. He told us he was going to chug a beer in the third quarter. He took a swig. I wouldn't call it a chug. <laughs> yeah. He took a swig of Bud Light after uh, his speech. Not the best Nick Mangold chugging, but you got to play with him. What was he like as a player? Yeah, and, and Wayne can attest to this. Like, uh, the center is 
pretty much the quarterback. He's because for me as a you know Wayne's you know as soon as we break the huddle, Wayne goes out. He's gonna run. He's running routes to do all his things. But as a fullback, like the 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 center is the guy who keeps all the offensive linemen together, and he also has to bring that continuity because as much as you think everyone likes each other, everyone don't like each other. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, Nick had a way about him. I mean, you see, he had his hat backwards today. He had the beard. Everyone loved Nick, and the thing about it was like. Everyone, um, he kept the offensive line together. He made my job so much easier. He was super smart. He was loyal. Like, I mean, the thing about it, and, and Wayne can attest to this, like, he had opportunities to go somewhere else. He could have easily signed another contract to go to another team, maybe less money, maybe more money. He's loyal to the Jets, and that's the thing that you love. And, like, just like Wayne, it's like, like once a Jet, always a Jet. And so to be able to celebrate that with him today, is, it means everything. Was that Kevin Mawai similar to Nick Mangold in that aspect with you guys? Yeah, just a leader, you know, up front. You know, they control everything. It's kind of like the relationship between a pitcher and a catcher. Yeah. It's such a, such a bond they always have. Uh, and, yeah, he deserved it. Well-deserved today. You know, I think he'll be in the Hall of Fame someday. But uh, you see what he, you know, where's his hat backwards? He's got the beard. (laughs) He's not trying to be somebody, you know, he's not. He's not out there in, like, suit and tie. That's not him, and that's why the fans appreciate him because he's genuine. Uh, He worked hard, and he appreciated the fans. And he embraced New York, and we talked about this about him. This is an Ohio guy. He tells us he lands in LaGuardia. He's like, where's the tall buildings? Where am I? (laughs) Me and him debate. I'm an historian, Queens. He debates Queens as part of Long Island. I will fight that it's not. I guess on a map it looks like What do you mean? I live in Long Island City. What are you talking about? Oh, we're neighbors. Yeah, you're you're next door. But uh, he said to make fun of you because you think Long Island City is part of the city. It's not Manhattan. Oh, my God. I'm like, it's still part of it. Yeah. We fight about that. No, this is funny. So when I first came to the Jets, you know, we, we were still up in Hofstra. So uh, I wanted to live in Manhattan. I was like, you know what? This is my, I think it was my 15th year. I'm like, I'm mature enough. The organization said, no, no, no. No players in Manhattan. So my real estate agent. Oh, the Jets said no oh, to no, Manhattan. Nobody. Only I didn't know that. that lived, only person that lived in Manhattan was uh, Eric Barton. And then, you know, once the guys got, got big money, like uh, Brandon Marshall, who lived in Soho, but the, they frowned upon guys living in Manhattan. Really? So my real estate agent said, well, what about Long Island City? And I was like, well, that's still Long Island, right? So I came down. I saw these big, beautiful buildings. I'm like, I'm in. So Did you not look at a map when you no, plan no, your move? No. So all of a sudden, I'm like, now we move to Florham Park. And I'm like, oh, shoot. I got to get up at 5 in the morning. Oh, my but God. But no, but every time I would tell Nick, I'm like, dude. He's like, he's like, dude, you live in Long Island? I said, dude, I'm in Manhattan. I said, dude, it takes me five minutes. So that's why he would always give me a hard time. Because I'm like, dude, I look at my rooftop. I'm looking into Manhattan. So to this day, he still says that uh, Long Island City is not Manhattan. There is a mis- not, It's not Manhattan. But it's close. There's a misconception among people not from here that Queens is far from Manhattan. It's literally right there. Dude, I mean, five, we're next door. Five minutes, I'm in Grand Central. I, and in eight minutes, I'm in the NFL office on Park Avenue. I can't eight stand for the Hoboken's eight. the city, too. Whoa. Oh, no, no, no. You can't get to Hoboken. You Just saying. Me? It's a pat train oh. five minutes. No, that's not five minutes. That's 20 minutes, no, huh? No, man. Come on, man. No. Hoboken's a little yeah, further. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a different thing. We hawk in Jersey City. Yeah, come on. Well, we hawk is close, but that's still a different state. You're paying different taxes. You know, for a while. Oh, weed was only legal there, not yeah, here. Now yeah, that's well, now changed. Weed's Gambling was yeah. only legal there, now it's legal here. Yeah, that's But see, you're a Jersey guy, yeah. Wayne. And through. New York yeah, embraced you, yeah. but you were from here. What was that relationship like with you and the fan base? Yeah, you know, everybody says you still live on the island. So people think I'm from Long Island because I went to Hofstra there and all that stuff. But yeah, I've been a Jersey guy my whole life. Grew up 15 minutes from here. So I was the local guy my whole career, and I think people appreciated that someone like me came from a blue-collar uh, town, uh, and they related to me. 
um, you know, and I'm an approachable guy, and just people appreciated that. And, and I always try to give back to the fans and, and to this day because, you know, the legend grew as the fan base grew. And uh, like I said, I'm grateful for it. I got, I got a funny story. So actually, Wayne and I, we did an event together at the, at the facility. And Wayne was like, he's like, oh, I got to go home. That's when your son was getting off the school bus. And you were like, this is – and I was like, hey, I got to go to uh, – which is crazy because I vacuum my floors every day. I had to go to Dyson. He said, where is it at? I said, Paramus. When I said Paramus, he lit up. He said, <laughs> Wayne started telling me stories about the Paramus ball, yeah. the Paramus boobies where yeah. I grew up. Yeah. 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 When I'm over there talking about the Dyson vacuum cleaner, I said Paramus, he lit up. I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> can, we, can we talk about you vacuuming every day? I, every day. So my, no, my, so my dad was a military. Danny Tanner? No, no, no. My dad was a military man, 32 years, Vietnam okay. veteran, Purple Heart. My sister did 28. So if you go to my closet right now, all my all my shirts color coordinated. I vacuum every day. I Saturday mornings I take a bucket of bleach. I take a toothbrush. I clean the uh, baseboards. Okay, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that's, oh, I got, oh, I was gonna say, oh, Mr. Clean. No, 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 you got a little hair. I, 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 I can't rub the head. When I said, uh, I said, Wayne said, well, "Where are you going to Dyson?" I said, "Paramus." He's like, "Oh." He started talking about the Paramus <laughs> and movie theater. Dude, like, I grew up going there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you say Danny Tanner? Danny Tanner. Rest What's in peace to uh, Full House. Oh, Bob Saget. Yeah, I thought you were like talking about Tony Danza. No, no, no. Do you ever watch Full House TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dad. Well, rest in peace. He passed away this past year. But your favorite moment. As a jet, I want to hear from each of you, Wayne. I got to Too many, too many oh, to think you of. You gotta have he has, one. He has a lot. Uh, you know what? Like, obviously, the Monday Night Miracle was special. Just mm-hmm. one of those nights that was crazy. But when we won the East, I think it was 2002. That was the game where we weren't going to make the playoffs unless all these things happened, and they happened. And we're playing Green Bay, and the fans were kind of telling us the other teams drive, and they kicked the, and they put the, uh, I think it was Miami kicking the field goal. And the place went bananas. Loudest I ever heard it. And we knew if we won, we won the East. And we won by, like, 30, won the East. It was a great feeling. But I always say one of the greatest things I have a video is my last year, what they thought would be my last year, they had my uh, three-year-old be the T-boy. And oh. he thought that you had, he had to make tea for everybody. Like, he didn't get it. <laughs> that was like Nick. So yeah, his, yeah, Nick's son today was a T-boy. Yeah, you're so, yeah, 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 supposed yeah, to be, yeah, like, yeah. older, like, 10 years old. And he ran out there, and I was like, this is pretty cool. But it was a funny story. Wow. See, Rich? Yeah, I imagine yeah. back-to-back AFC championship No, no, my, my, mine is easy because it was the, um, it was the AFC championship game. Well, we, no, it was the Patriots game. So, early in that year, we go out. Patriots kicked – they literally kicked our teeth out. We got smoked. I think it was, like – they beat us like 30-something, whatever, on that Thursday night, Thursday night game. So then we go to the playoffs, and no one gave us an opportunity. No one gave us a chance to win. That was a bar, that was a bar Scott. Can't, can't win. wait. Yeah. That game, because, that you know, for me coming from the Chiefs, like, we'd always like 13-3, and 13-3, and, and we never won playoff games. And so to be able and – and that's when, you know, Tom Brady was like – and that's when the Patriots were like rolling. And no one gave us an opportunity. It literally and Wayne attested. It's like when you have a band of brothers from the – the waste staff who d- takes care of our food from uh, Vito who takes care of our equipment. Like it was a band of brothers and we hopped on that plane and we knew we were going to win that football. <laughs> it's like, you know what? We say burn the boat and Wayne attested it. When you say burn the boat, it's like, we're not coming back without a victory. So right. you, if you go out to sea and we say burn the boat, we're not coming back. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that, and almost gets me emotional because it's like, you don't, people don't understand. Like when you go and you do something with some people for so long and we went out there we were like I ain't gonna say F it but I was like we're gonna we're coming back with a victory and that was it that's why Bart was so emotional because we were like bring them on because that that was the, that's the best memory I ever had as a jet this is why I think maybe going on the road this week 
is good for the it's Jets. Because, yep. you know, Road Warriors, everybody's against you. You got nothing to lose. And if they boot, you, you, you get booed anyway. Yeah, you, get, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Sk- you scrap, yeah. You, you, yeah. Know, you fight, and maybe yeah. that's the best place for them to be is going on the road to Pittsburgh. Is that what you think for Zach? It's good that he starts on the road. If he struggles, he won't. Because I imagine he's not going to get booze because they just saw Joe Flacco when we're chanting for right. Mike White. But well, is it good for him to be on the road against a Steelers team that's 1-2? and two? Yeah. You know, like I said, it's hostile there, and he's going to get booed. But at home, what if they had a three and out, a three and out? And then, they're, calling for, they're calling for Mike White. Like they can, they yeah, couldn't put Mike else. White in today. No. Because what if he did good? What if he did good, but they didn't and win? That's what we were talking about. Yeah. We then talking you, about then that. you'll put yeah. another can of worms. So let him come back. Hopefully, do a nice game plan, quick stuff, you know, not have him run around like crazy out there. But yeah, I think no. it's better to go on the road. Do you see enough from these guys in the supporting cast? We were talking earlier about. Uh, Garrett Wilson, who looks like he could be a star receiver. Do you see the pieces around them? You know, maybe when they get Dwayne Brown back at left tackle, too, the offensive line struggled, that Zach could have some success here? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I mean, he didn't have these kind of weapons last year. You know, guys were injured. But if you look at what they have, Garrett, Elijah, Corey Davis, Braxton, and two young running backs, I mean, they have a a bright future. I mean, for years, that could be the core. They could do some special things on offense. Yeah, and I I think the biggest thing is just, as Wayne just said, it's like you have these pieces, but create a game plan to make it. Don't don't make it hard. You don't need Zach dropping a five-step drop. Like, don't put him in that situation. You know what? You got you got tight ends. You got to run, run some screens. The easiest play in football is 22-Z hook. Tight end over the ball, full back in the flat, uh, and a, a Z in or something like that. Just make things that are simple and get get him into a rhythm. And then, all of a sudden, you got the running game. Now things start to open up because you can't five-step drops, throwing bombs. Once you get behind that eight ball, it's over. Here's my worry with Zach coming back with a knee injury. This guy's mobile. Are they going to call the play? Is Mike LaFleur going to call a different playbook and not let him run and not have an RPO and options? I, I think they're going to kind of baby him at least for no, they, a week or two. No, they can't because one thing, and that's when uh, one thing Salah said is, like, he has to be 100%. And, and Wayne had a test, like, and Wayne and I both were two players. When they were like, oh, how do you feel? I would lie. Oh, you're 100%? No. I'm like, I'd probably be 60, but I'm going to tell you I'm 100. But they got to make sure if you're the starting quarterback, especially a young franchise quarterback, you got to make sure that he's 100% in that knee. They're going to test that knee out all through the week. And if he's not 100%, they're not going to put him in bad situation because just imagine he rolls out and he blows in, in the knee injuries again. And all of a sudden, we're back behind the eight ball. Yeah. Uh, like, like you said, you got to protect him. But, yeah, it's just certain plays. Bang, bang, bang. Take, take your pick. You can't get in the third and 10, third and 12, third and 15, because it limits your playbook. Yeah. You got to have, like, you know, third down the short where you can, you know, get the yardage and continue drives, and that helps the defense. You know, you, they do do a three and out. Defense just sat down to catch their breath and have a drink, and they're like, we got to go back in there ready. Yeah, they just yeah. got to extend drives, get points, and give the defense a chance to, uh, to play as hard as they can. Well, we got to talk about the defense because they have been underwhelming. Outside of Sauce Gardner, the safeties haven't been great. You know, they've done solid stopping the run, which we were worried about their run defense, but it's actually been solid today. 28 for 68. That's 2.4 a carry. But they're giving up big plays. I mean, they're giving up 50-yard touchdowns. They're undisciplined. The JFM penalty we talked about. You know, I'm a little worried about this defense. They're giving up too many long plays and 50. The missed tackle that led to the long touchdown today, that can't happen. It just can't. So that's one thing. I, and this is now me being the foot. Because you got to imagine, those guys go over on the other side of the ball, they get paid too. So whenever someone's just like the defense, I'm like, 
You know what? In the perfect world, we shut everyone down. Jets scored 30 points. They scored zero. Those guys get paid, too. Those guys are high-priced athletes. And so everything's, everything's not always going to be perfect. You got to understand it's, it's they're going to score, we're going to score. But the biggest thing, you got to play in – we got to play complimentary football, offense, defense, and special teams. And all of a sudden, if the offense is not carrying the load or the special teams, it puts more pressure on the defense. I think our defense is good enough to keep us in games, but you can't keep putting them back on the field because, like, like Wayne said, all of a sudden you get a turnover, you get a strip sack. All of a sudden the defense, like, we just sat down and it's like, ah. But you got to put pressure on the quarterback. And, I Wayne, just, you got to okay, get no, Trubisky okay. down. No, no, hold on, hold on. Because like, Burrow kept no, escaping, got, no, and when he escapes – Open, boom. No, no, boom. I, got, I got one for you. So I listened to these podcasts. I listened to all these things. And they were like, oh, they didn't, they didn't, uh, they didn't uh, pressure uh, Lamar Jackson. I said, okay, guess what? Pressure Lamar Jackson. Go ahead and run the field. Guess what? He's going to run a 90-yard touchdown on you. So quarterbacks who are mobile, you can't, like, all the pass rush can't just run up the field because he's gone. So certain quarterbacks, like, you saw Burrow get out of some things today. You got to, like, that dude can run. I, I, I went to Auburn. I watched that kid at LSU. You can't all of a sudden just go out full blitz because if you one tackle, he's gone. Like, that dude can roll. So I, I, I have confidence in the defense, but you have to play complimentary football, offense, defense, and special teams. Yeah, like I said, you got to take the pressure off the defense. Yeah, I know they're giving up a lot of points and some chunk plays, but, you know, he had that hit on Boyd. He didn't wrap him up, but a hit like that would normally take someone off their feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just an unfortunate play. Nowadays, you can't hit receivers. Like, when you play, like, you know, like, you got stuck. So now, like, defensive backs run up, and they realize, like, oh, if I hit him here, I'm going to get a penalty, or if I hit him here, like, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, so how do you, I, I mean, and this may be a question for you, like, how do you, if you're a defensive yeah. back, like, how do you hit guys? Because you can't, if you hit them, you're going to get fined and kicked yeah. out of the damn game. For the most part, they just take your legs out, especially with yeah. big tight ends and stuff. But you can't do that. You can't hit yeah. below the knees. You can't hit above the neck. Yep. I mean, it's such a small range. I mean, especially if it was me. There's not a big range between my neck <laughs> you, and like, you. would have 90 yards after a kick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, uh, and you yeah. can't speak. That's, that's what happened today. You can't lead with your helmet. Yep. You can't do helmet to helmet. So yep. it is unfortunate. Most guys would go down, but he made yeah. a great play. Yeah. He did. And DJ Reed said after the game, interesting quote, we need to have a meeting as far as defense. It's unacceptable. Good. So, you know, Sauce Gardner is holding his end. Everyone else is not. And Jordan White has not been good. You know, he was a guy you paid big money to as a safety in the offseason, and he hasn't been good. And a lot of guys in the defense has, haven't been good. Quinton Williams, you know, the blow-up that we saw on the sidelines, guys, he uh, video. Yeah, he yeah, said yeah. Quinton Williams was yelling at the coaches to use a four-man rush. So maybe there was some expletives exchange in there, but I guess no. they were using a three-man. Should have used a four-man. I don't know. This, oh, is, this is what happens when things aren't going good during a game like this where they're not getting home to the quarterback. Close. So – you know, it's nice to see that passion make the coaches look bad. Yeah, and they'll say all the right things after the game, yeah, yeah. you know, just call it in the heat of the moment. Yeah. But, yeah, they're feisty. They want to win, and that's what you want to hear from your players. Were you guys immediately after a game, like a game like this, were you emotional? Like, when you're talking to the media, do you got to put, like, a tight lip to make sure you don't say something? <laughs> or I'm sure there's weeks where you're like, F this, F that, and you hey. probably said something. Well, you played a little bit before Twitter and – and there was no social media. Twitter, but not really. But you know, it's funny. I never, uh, my last year at Auburn, I was undefeated. Dallas Cowboys went to the NFC Championship game. Kansas City, we were third. Like, I never, like, I, one year, I think I've ever had, I only had one losing season ever. And so the games that, I mean, every game that I've ever played in, I'm always, I've never walked into a game and, like, oh, guess what? we're about to get rolled up today. I've never been on a team where I thought we were going to lose. So those kind of things, like we didn't, I mean, one time Derek Thomas blew up. That was a Monday night game when him and Shannon Sharp had that big thing on Monday night. But for the most part, I've never been on a team where, like, 
coaches and players like fall. I mean, we we get after it, but in the day, it's like I mean, I've just never been on like a, a team where it was just like so bad, where it was like toxic, where it was like oh, we got a problem. Like today, that's bad. Like you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all of a sudden, now you're calling out. You calling out a coach? Who they gonna get rid of? You gonna call? They gonna get rid of him? Or they gonna get rid of the coach? I, mm-hmm. I mean, we. I mean, yeah, I, I, mean I know Wayne. Wayne would never do that. I mean, I've never yelled at a coach visibly where you know. Where the cameras can see. Yeah. But yeah, finish this. What you're about to say. It's almost like I'm trying to hold on to it, hold on to it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. Maybe, um, oh, as I say, so you know, you get caught in the heat of the moment. It's like when we get in the locker room, we got 15 minutes window till the media comes in. I'm basically going to tell you everything you did wrong if you lost. You got 15 minutes to no. gather yourself, and you got to be on the bus in 45 if it's a away game. No. That's, you know, that's tough. You got to, I mean, you got to be a professional. You want to go in there and just put the defense on blast or this coach on blast. So understand, people need to understand how hard that is after you just fought for three hours. And then they're going to come in and point out all the negatives that you had in your even – if, even if you won, they're going to point, well, what happened on this? Why did you drop that? So it's, it's tough to hold that in. And I could see why he reacted like that, but – it is what it is, man. Your competitor, that's how you're going to be. And listen, guys get emotional. You, Herman Edwards, you were on the Jets when he had the play to win the game. Right. What is your reaction as a player after that when you see that? Oh, I mean, we love Derm. We love that he's a motivator, you know, a great guy, you know, player's coach. He played, he understands the game. But, yeah, that's how he was. He'd come up with quirky things like that. And, uh, Does yeah. that pump you up? Because keeping the receipts is the thing now that they said pumped them up. Does that kind of thing get the well, locker room going? A coach wants to bet on his guys. He's going to bet on us to win the games. And, you know, he's all in. Yeah, you want a coach like that's going to fight for you, not going to be like, oh, well, this and that. Yeah, you want a guy saying, we're going to win. We're going to remember this. We're going to remember everything you said, and we're going to shove it down your throat. And you want a coach like that. Or I did. I wanted coaches like that. And, and, I, and I, had I had one. I to say I had one. And that was the biggest thing. Rex would say. See the goddamn take, snack. Well, Rex would say, if you take one of ours, we're going to take two of yours. And, like, but the thing about Rex, and I love Rex to death because it's like Rex would come to me and he would say, hey, T, you know what? We got a big game this week. I'm gonna create, Rex would say, I'm going to create something to take the pressure off of Sanchez. We had a young quarterback. So he was like, you know what? Let me make it about me and Belichick, and we're going to fight. Because all of a sudden, now the media is talking about this, and now Sanchez get a chance. Because if you put, oh, Sanchez versus Tom Brady. And Sanchez was not mature enough to be able to handle that. So Rex would just create all this, like, drama and start stuff. But that's the way I saw how he, how he was protecting the players. And, like, I'll fight for Rex any day of the week. And that's the guy you want to go with. Bill Parcells. What <laughs> you laugh as soon as they say his name. What was he like, you know, in the locker room and talking to guys after the game and pumping you guys up? Because I imagine you want to talk about disciplinarian. He was one of those. Yeah, he, he was the kind of guy, I always tell a story, at Hofstra, it was just like a square of the building. And if you're walking and you see him, you kind of want to turn the other way. <laughs> the, the best thing, example is you could be walking and he sees you and he's like, you're down. He's like, listen, we'll get him. We'll keep plugging away. We're going to be all right. But if he saw you and you were smiling, like, what are you so happy about? What the F are you so happy about? It's like, you didn't know how to be around yeah. him. So when, when he first came in, he told me that if I didn't listen to him, my career would go downhill faster than a dump truck with a cement parachute. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's what he told me. Yeah, yeah. But if he didn't mess with you, yeah. he didn't like you. So if he didn't mess with you, yeah. you were in trouble. Well, so the more he messed with you, the better it was. Well, Wayne, that's a testament. My dad would always say, because my dad was a military man, Vietnam veteran, Purple Heart, and was a drill sergeant. So he would say, son, if I ever stop getting on you, that means that I'm, I gave yeah. up. Yeah, so that's yeah, the yeah. biggest thing. Like, my hardest coaches and my hardest critics or my dad 
if they don't, if my dad didn't razz me, if he didn't say, if I messed up and he didn't say nothing, I'm like, oh shoot, I'm in really trouble now. And that's those are the things I appreciate. I love to get, I love to get coached up hard and get and get razzed. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, that's you know, it motivates you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But you can't, now this coach, I mean, that's a whole nother, that's yeah. a whole nother segment. Nowadays, you can't talk to these kids this way. Because even the coaches that say like we can't not yet you can't because it's a it's a it's a different culture. I'm not saying well, the year it's participation <laughs> ribbons. Well, the practices are a lot lighter. He gets a trophy. I wasn't, wasn't going to go there, but I, yeah. they didn't have that yeah. participation yeah. Yeah. trophies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they yeah. say the lightest practices ever in a training camp. Now I'm not. You guys had like two a day once every third practice. Like, we were banging every day. Dude, if we I'm, didn't, if we didn't hit practice, I never would have made the team. Dude, dude, same thing. The, so, underwear Olympics. Is that yeah, what you're gonna say? So listen, <laughs> no, I was at the Vikings thing last night, and one of the young, not young, he was like, he played in the '60s. He said they had they had six preseason games, six. And Sheesh. so for me, like, I was an undrafted free agent, and if we didn't have preseason, there's no way. Because the only reason I made the roster was special teams. Because you can't, you can't make, you don't make the roster uh, catching the ball or running the ball. You make the, you, you, and Robert Griffin was talking about, he was a safety. And he was saying, like, I knew, he said, I was talking to Vincent Glenn, and he said, there were 16 corners. He said, how, he said, Vincent, how many corners did y'all keep last year? He said, five, possibly six. And he was like, okay, so you're going to cut, like, 12. He was like, yeah. He said, I knew I had to do something different, whether if it was special teams and do this and this, because you can't make it. Like you, yeah. You know, and if you don't play, if you don't play in the preseason, how you going They can't figure you out because you don't hit in practice. Yeah, no film. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of guys hold out now in training camp. Not did you guys ever wish you could just hold out all? What do you of mean? August? Nobody holds out no more. Like, did you enjoy no. going there every day in August? I loved. I mean, yeah. I kind of did. Yeah. I, I like the pain. Exactly. <laughs> I love it because you got to imagine. Like, we were two guys that we weren't first round draft choices. Hey, before we go to Brian Gauss. Right. We want to thank you and American Dream for supporting us here. Yeah, thanks to House of Q. Thanks to American Dream. Appreciate everyone for coming out. Wayne Krebet, Tony Richardson, thanks everybody for coming out. Do the Jets beat the Steelers on Sunday? Wayne, go. Yeah. I think, uh, like I said, I think going on the road is the best thing for them, getting Zach back, changing the game plan a little bit, and I think they come home with a win. I I say yes. If the, if, no, if the game if the game plan is right, you got to play good defense because um, you got to stop the run because they're gonna run the football. You'll get hit in the face, but put Zach in in, in in good situations. Don't put him in like third and tens, third and twos, manageable situation. And we can win the game. Yes. Zach Wilson, come save the Jets. Thanks to Sergio on video. Thanks to House of Q. House of Q. We set up. Shout out to Cadillac. Visit your tri-state Cadillac dealers. Gotham City crew. Gang's all here. Jake Brown, T-Rich, Wayne Corbett. Signing out. Good night.